0: hey welcome to dialogues with d with me udambi sadube this is a podcast where we'll be unpacking various topics every couple of weeks here we get to challenge agitate question inform ourselves it's just a safe space tune in join us Happy new week, everybody. I'm really excited about today's episode, or rather this week's episode, with Dr. Nobukanya Kanyile, who is quite popular on the socials, just such a gem, who does a lot of work um, as far as mental health advocacy is concerned, but she's also a medical doctor, I think specializing in pediatrics, Um, and she and I recorded this episode a couple weeks back. Um, just a disclaimer that every episode, um, if I've not mentioned it before, is always pre-recorded, sometimes days in advance, sometimes weeks in advance. So this is important to bear in mind when you're listening to our conversation as we focus a lot on some of the facts, figures, concerns around COVID-19. Um, I was recording this at home, so you we do have a little bit of background noise from Dinga, but I hope that the episode is enjoyable regardless. Thank you everyone for your support and have a good week. So hi, Dr. Unjani. how are you?
1: Yeah, Pila, I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me on the show today.
0: Thanks for making the time. I really, really appreciate it. After a long day as well. Um, yeah, I've already given you context about who I am, why I do this and what the platform is about. And then this particular month, we're actually tackling politics and po- politics is multifaceted. And obviously, because we find ourselves in a, dynam- in a pandemic, um, you know, we cannot talk about that without talking about the pandemic and how politics affects that as well. And I mean, outside of politics, we're all at home. We're drained. I mean, people's realities are looking different at the moment. Um, Some people have it worse than others. And I just it just didn't feel right to um, put the spotlight on this topic this month without also taking the time to sensitize people. Um, Maybe also um, hopefully people can can get some facts as well, because there's a lot of just misinformation being shared on all kinds of platforms at the moment. Um, Some people don't have access to the most reliable news, some people don't watch or read the news at all, so they're not always up to date. Um, But yeah, I wanted to get a medical perspective. Um, But before we get into some of the questions I had, um, I want to also give you a chance to introduce yourself, who you are, um, what you do and why you're motivated to do it.
1: So thank you so much. Uh, My name is Dr. Nogu Kanya Kanyile. I'm currently a medical doctor who fully qualified in 2015. Um, I have a passion for pediatrics, which is um, taking care of the health of children. And so I'm specializing currently to become a pediatrician um in the university of the redwater front circuit i also have a really strong passion for mental health and so i work with an organization called mental matters of which i'm the vice president and we aim to destigmatize mental illness in the youth particularly but also just society at large
0: great yeah we are also going to dive into um, how do we stay positive how we how do we stay motivated um and so that's great stuff so that's who, who doc mm-hmm. is and that's the reason why I, I also wanted to have her here. So she's a really special guest for this month. Um, I know that there's been a lot of um, frustration um, that people are feeling currently with, you know, we're almost a year into a, a full lockdown. Um, it kind of feels like we're living in some other reality right now. People are losing families. There's uh, an overwhelming amount of grief. Some people's lives are not affected at all. They go on as normal, but it's also really difficult to, to sort of, I don't know, find some kind of normal currently um, and so there's a lot of things that are swirling around you don't know what's true you don't know what's not true um, could you give us a little bit of perspective from a from the health sector's perspective of you know we keep hearing you know we're overburdened um, people are not prepared particularly the health healthcare system for the pandemic and if this prolongs we might find ourselves in a really dire situation and um, is that true is that really the case i think sometimes people don't really know uh, if that's really the case and don't really have an understanding or even appreciation for it because we find ourselves outside of that so how is it currently in hospitals um, and how is it for you guys who are in the industry currently
1: so if i give you a bit of background in south africa 85 percent of the population um, relies on the public health sector so that means that um, state hospitals clinics etc are taking care of the bulk of the population, um, because of our socioeconomics, again the majority of the population does not actually pay tax mm. and is unable to contribute either to a medical aid scheme or even to pay for medical aid services um, within the state. And then we also have a significantly large migrant population, not just from uh, inter-provincial travel, but also from inter, um, you know, between countries. Because of that, we find that South Africa's burden um, with regards to caring for patients is a significant one. Mm. And so bring on top of that a pandemic which has strained not just South Africa, but the world in terms of resources um, and healthcare providers, um, in terms of the funding and the ability to raise that funding, we have a crisis. And so we were never in a good place to start off. Mm. We were always going to have problems from the beginning. But now we have to add on the extra burden of what we've got to deal with, which is this pandemic that demands so much from us. And it's actually not okay. We were already at breaking point. So we've been pushed over the edge. We were already at the point of no return. Mm. And so who's pushed um, again? I think for people at home who don't understand what that means, Um, in South Africa, we have doctors who are unable to take care of themselves. Nurses, allied health professionals who can't take appropriate breaks, Mm. either while they're at work or even to take leave because there's so many people um, not able to work in the system because the funding's not there, because the ability to hire people is not there. Mm. And so we find people working extra hours, extra shifts to cover for the 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 workload that is already there and so now we're actually losing healthcare professionals, we're losing um, people to coronavirus who actually have um, insights and time and skill that they could apply to whatever situation they're in Mm. and now because we don't have them there, there's a lot of lack in the environment, so the healthcare system, from a human resource point of view, is already so strained, and now we have to have this financial burden that, mm. you know, is is a problem.
0: Yeah, yeah. Speaking of financial burden, um, yeah, it's tricky right now. You know, some people would say, what is the government doing about that? Or, or what should have the government done even before that? where we already... Um, what what word? I mean, I wanted to say screwed, but for, a lot, for lack of a better word, where we are already finding ourselves in a dire situation before there was ever a pandemic. I mean, the healthcare system didn't look great, specifically the public sector. For you know, so. What are your opinions about just what's going on in the news about the mismanagement of funds? You know, some of the PPE scandals there, um, you know, corruption, you know, which has sometimes been defined as the rot of the democracy in our country um, that affects everybody. Um, from a healthcare perspective, is there anything that can be done about that right now? Or is it just one of those things where we are in the situation and we've got to find a way to get through it?
1: Um, Corruption is not a new thing. It's always been around and we've always found ways to work around it. Um, The problem is we're actually seeing very quickly how corruption is killing people. Mm. I think before, corruption was okay because people were just suffering. But now people are actually dying at the hands of corruption because people are taking the resources. So I personally feel very strongly about it. Because I have to be that person whose life gets put on the line, when people take uh, money um, for their own personal gain, that should be used to protect me mm. as a healthcare worker. Who is coming here to serve the people that I care about, which is my patients and my community? Um, and now I'm being put in a position of danger, not just for myself, but also the people at my at home. Mm. You know, because those people are, you know, they they didn't choose to be healthcare professionals. I did, but they're in, inadvertently being um, exposed to the risk. So corruption for me, it breaks my heart and it hurts me so much because. You know, people know how much how difficult it is. People know how our hearts are breaking every day. Mm. And no matter how much we tell them, they don't care. Mm. And that's the problem. We we can't we can't fight with people who don't care. It's a different story if people want to care but they are being put in a situation where, you know, for example with the crime rate in our country, people are forced to perform crimes because they don't have food to mm. eat or because um, they are in a significant economic strife. But these people who are doing corruption don't need an extra 10 million rand, mm. you know. you And I always laugh and I say to people, can they corrupt properly? Mm. Can they at least take a little bit of the chunk and then do the thing that they need to do? Because then at least we all win, mm. you know. I, I'm not saying corruption is good, but that's better in my mind than what's happening now, which is just looting. It is looting of state funds. And at this point, it's looting off the lives of the servants of the people and also the lives of the people.
0: Mm, Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with that as well. I mean, um, as a person who is fascinated with politics in general, I, I find that maybe corruption finds its way in every country. It's just somehow somewhat part of the package, especially in the capitalist society that we live in. But yes, if people are suffering people the poorest of the poor are feeling it because it's really a a basic need challenge right now people are not getting the basics Um, people's livelihoods are at stake. And now when there's a pandemic, not only, um, you know, are hospitals overburdened or the healthcare system is overburdened, but people are losing their income. You know, people who rely on informal income are struggling. You know, and, and this is takes a lot of, um, it takes its toll psychologically as well. Um, I also just wanted to check in. I mean, as I've tried my best to do my research as well, but it becomes so overwhelming with what we hear every day, things change. Um, You know, there's a lot of propaganda, family members sending all kinds of threads on WhatsApp groups, you know, the list goes on. So, and I'm pretty sure the listeners um, can relate to this as well. Um, With the vaccine, what's going on? What's going on? What's the truth? How is this being rolled out? Is this vaccine that we've just received really um, not going to be effective? Um, people are stressed. People are concerned. Uh, we were really ho- hoping for, I don't know, seeing the end inside or at least finding a solution. You know, the vaccine is a whole other discussion itself. But I think just the idea of having something or a solution in this pandemic almost a year in, um, feels like it's been taken away from us. And again, perhaps at the hands of corruption, we don't know. These are the things that are swirling in the news. Um, what are your opinions about what's going on? In, in, in Or maybe you can clarify, you know, what is what um, when it comes to the vaccine?
1: So let's just put a disclaimer. At the point where we're talking now, um, it is the middle of February. So we are at a point where we've just received news that the vaccine is expiring in April. We've just received news that um, we're actually not getting a national rollout of the vaccine. And we've also received news that the vaccine may not work against the strain of coronavirus mm. that initially, um, though it may work against the one that initially came out, but may not work against the new strain. The reason I put this disclaimer is with coronavirus, information changes week to week. Mm. With vaccination information, it changes week to week. So what we need to understand in the backdrop of that is We can have these grand plans for six months' time, but because there's so many things changing and because the world is literally smaller than it's ever been before, we have so much access to information so quickly that what we thought was the right thing to do a week ago could Mm. change. So with regards to the vaccine, I think people need to understand why we vaccinate ideally the ideal is to eradicate disease so it's to say that everybody who gets the vaccine will never get infected with coronavirus and will never be able to transmit coronavirus the second thing is if you do get infected with coronavirus the next best thing is that you at least don't transmit it or if you do get infected you have a milder course of illness that Mm -hmm. doesn't make you that sick what we're finding now and this is the 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 idea that we're seeing is that a lot of people are still going to be infected with the virus and have a mild to moderate course of Illness, Mm. which means that they're not protected from the milder to moderate ones things like um, the fevers the the flu-like symptoms, maybe even the loss of taste and smell um, but those with severe disease will be protected, so that would be like a hospital admission, which is ideally what you want in a society mm-hmm. like ours, because the hospital admissions are the ones that actually cost the most money to the state, but also it's the one that puts the biggest burden, because people have to actually be in the hospital to take care of the people in the hospital. Um, people who are admitted to those hospitals take up hospital beds for other patients who have other non-COVID-related diseases. And they also then put those ones at risk of getting COVID and getting severe illness. And then you also now have this idea of expiration dates. Mm. So with the vaccine, we're now seeing a couple of theories. The one is that when this vaccine was rolled out, Um, information about vaccination changes depending on the the trials that are being done and also depending on the actual vaccine so every six months or so we update the information this could mean that the actual vaccine is not expired so Mm. the the active ingredient in it and the chemicals in it are not expired but we can't say after april if it will be safe to give or not Mm. because the trials we've done are only six months old And by the time we get to April, the trials will be, you know, maybe like a year or nine months old, for example. So then we can extend the expiration date, Mm. okay? So it's very important to understand manufacturing expiration date versus um, the chemical stability of the the, the vaccine itself, versus the information. At this point, it's very difficult to say where we stand when it comes to information, because that changes all the time. Mm. But the chemical stability of the vaccine provided it's stored in the correct way and provided it is not uh, being exploited and just used in the incorrect manner, should still be able to be used. Okay. And so that's why there's so much controversy. And it's, it's, it's very nice in the news that they send out all of this chaotic information mm-hmm. and it's expired and how can they... But people who don't understand medicine, don't understand why we say the things we say, don't realize that it's not that big of a deal. We just need to be safe Mm. and we always want to be safe the last thing i want to say about the vaccine is that remember coronavirus just like hiv changes and mutates over Mm. time so when we started and i'll I'll use hiv because it's the, the the best example i can use um we started off with a lot of people who didn't believe in it people um fighting against it people dying from it but people still ignoring that it was there. Eventually getting a lot of people on treatment and realizing that there's things we can do to protect ourselves, for example, using condoms or wearing a mask, um, you know, staying mm. away from multiple sexual partners, socially distancing. So things like that, they're, they're very um, similar patterns of behavior mm. that you need to protect yourself from this virus. But lastly, we saw that because some people just carried on having multiple sexual partners, HIV then started to mutate. Mm. Or we saw people doing inadequate or inappropriate treatment um, um, regimens. And then the HIV mutated. And we came up with stronger ones which needed second-line or third-line treatment. So that's happened before with multiple illnesses. Why is coronavirus any different? Mm. And so people are are, are panicking because, yes, it's a little bit more deadly because it kills you in a short amount of time. It can cause more severe illness. But it's not something we don't know that has, we've never seen before. Mm. So we need to um, really, and I, and I always ask people, go to the National Institute for Communicable Disease website, go to the WHO, go to Dr. Willing Kieser's page, go to um, all of these resources that are reputable, not mm. WhatsApp groups, mm. not Google go to those sites because those sites are constantly being updated and they provide you with information Mm -hmm. about the vaccine, but also about coronavirus. Sorry for the long chat, but that's, that's what it was. No, it was perfect.
0: (laughs) It was perfect. You covered everything. And I've also learned a lot. I think it's difficult as a person who there's a lot of jargon, you know, we don't know what these things mean. And then you have the, the media also playing their part in the messaging and, um, what is being shared today versus what's being shared tomorrow. And then you don't know what to consume anymore. And, um, the viciousness of the virus is what gets to me, you know, um, The moment I hear somebody's sick, or if I feel sick, I automatically think, okay, do I have this now? What does this now mean? Will I get through it? And I think we're just all COVID fatigued, I guess. Probably you guys more so than us, because you're on the front line. Um, And so thank you for clarifying that. And and I'm pretty, pretty certain people listening um, to this at at this present moment will have a few ah moments as well. Um, And this is why these conversations are important to clarify for people to understand. And also I love that you reference where people can get information because I think that's also important. Um, Speaking of the viciousness though of the virus, we're all tired, um, some of us more than others, um, but psychologically we're affected. Uh, we're at home, um, depending on what your situation looks like at home. I'm with my six-year-old daughter. We've become roommates now. Like she literally gives me space. You know, I don't remember having that kind of intelligence at the age of, emotional intelligence at the age of six to be able to say, okay, I actually need time out now. I don't need company from you now. Um, So we've adjusted and I think we've adjusted well. So I I find myself fortunate, but not everybody is. Um, I still have my job. Um, So financial security is fine. I still have my family. uh, But a a lot of people um, listening right now have lost a lot. Um, Emotionally, financially, it's just been a crazy time. So um, could you touch on some of the work that you guys are doing, um, I believe with Kuku on mental matters, the way you are a a vice president, and perhaps some words of encouragement or tips of, um, or maybe reassurance. Maybe people are doing things already, but they just need to be reassured that they keep going on. How do we stay positive? How do we get through this psychologically?
1: So Mental Matters is an organization that basically uses information that we give from healthcare professionals or people living with mental illness to educate one another. Because I think everyone assumes that healthcare professionals have to teach you. Mm. But a lot of the time, we don't understand as healthcare professionals, what's me asking you to take this treatment and go see this person and make sure that you have family meetings and and, and what effect that has on your life because medications have side effects. Mm. So it's important for us on both aspects to make sure that people who, because a lot of people know someone who's going through something, but they don't understand why this person is changing all the time. They were fine, now they're not fine. Why is it important they take the medication? So it's it's the three-pronged uh, approach to say, I know someone, I am someone, I am teaching someone. Mm. So each of us can help one another in, in some way, shape or form. And we do this by having seminars, uh, podcasts, conversations between these groups of people to say, how do we navigate mental health in such a way that we're, we don't need to wait until we're at breaking point. Mm-hmm. How do we maintain a steady state every day so that even when we go up and down, we're still able to be effective human beings? So now when we get to a situation like coronavirus, so you must understand the World Health Organization definition of mental health has a lot of things. But the one thing that always uh, strikes me about it is that you need to deal with the normal stresses of life. And that's in the definition. Now, life is not normal Mm. um, on any given day, (laughs) particularly now that Mm. we've been thrown into a pandemic. So if you look at South Africa, we don't have normal stresses. We have high rates of unemployment. We have incredibly significant rates of people who are, even though they are unemployed, have a lot of debt on their, Mm. their hands. We have psychological um, and social abuses that, ex- that we experience. And if you're a woman or a child in this mm. country, you add the sexual abuse to that. Some, some um, male groups as well experience that. And so you have so many abnormal stresses already on top of a pandemic. Mm. That is, by definition, according to the World Health Organization, nobody has mental health so what we then find is that a lot of people put pressure on themselves to be okay which i think is unfair because if by definition we're not okay Mm. we're forcing ourselves to be okay in a not okay situation so we're just going to cause dysfunction it's like albert einstein said the definition of crazy is doing the same thing over Mm -hmm. and over again and expecting a different result so we need to step back and say we are not in a, a normal situation by as a baseline Throw in this pandemic it, It's forced people to sit down and think And realize that Are there relationships with the people I live in the house with That I have to actually spend 24 hours mm. a day with now In a good place Um, Is my relationship with myself okay? Because some people actually are unable to stay on their own They need other people Some people are unable to live with other people Because the people they're living with Drives them up the wall Some people are not happy in their jobs And they're realizing that actually now Um You know, we've taken away your need to have to travel in the mornings You don't have to actually go into the office anymore Mm. Um, And you're still miserable in your job Um, So was it the job or was it the environment Or was it you in Mm. that place, you know We've also now removed, um, you know, boundaries So you're working from home But instead of now driving that hour in the morning To get to work where you have your time Mm. You're on the laptop Because from 8 o'clock you're there until you know whatever time of the night mm. because your boss is expecting you they saying, well you're at home you don't need to go anywhere you don't need to be in traffic blah, 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 so do the work and then we're also unable to physically gather so we lose that social aspect mm-hmm. we're unable to like have time with each other and so we lose that so all of this is throwing us into a chaotic environment um that amplifying every insecurity and every fear we've had about our lives. Mm. I always ask people the simple question, if you had to advise yourself about your life, what would you say to yourself? So this is why journaling for some people is so important because mm. once, you, once you write down the problem, you can read the problem as if you are another person. And I found this actually, you know, sometimes I've had relationships and I've had um, situations that happen to me and I'm like, I look back on it a week later and I'm just like, what on earth was happening? <laughs> like, why did I allow that situation to occur? Mm. But when you're in the moment, it's very mm. difficult to remove yourself because you're surviving. You're not able to reflect and look back. Re- so that's the first step is reflect and look back on your life as it is now. Personal relationships with yourself personal relationships with other people and then also people that you work with mm. because we spend eight hours a day with our colleagues so you have to have you have to have good relationships with them you can't just be like Aha, you know what? it's fine mm. oh that one I, I'm no, mm. you no you have to learn how to work with them in a productive way you don't have to like them but you still have to be able to work productively with them mm. and then the second thing is be honest with yourself if you see don't like something you must either learn to live with it Or you must change it And that could even be yourself That could even be your partner mm. um, For some people You know, if you don't like your kids <laughs> Which can happen A <laughs> lot of the time um, mm. Kids learn behaviors from their parents mm. So maybe you're teaching them bad habits And you need to actually self reflect So there's a lot of thinking That has to go into this And people find that they don't have the time to do it Because it's just overwhelming yeah. and I've got so much time you have enough time to go on Instagram and watch my stories you'll have enough time to reflect mm. so think of it that way instead of picking up your phone and every time you pick up your phone to look at Instagram stop and say actually this is a moment of reflection that I can use and then the last thing is gratitude I've actually found has helped a mm. lot even because even I work with a lot of patients who suffer from chronic illness um, oncology patients living with cancer and I found that this is just anecdotal, but also there is some research behind it. The patients who have the best outcomes, even if they are the sickest, mm. usually have an attitude of gratitude. And when you have that, you find that everything around you becomes so much more significant and you appreciate so much more that when you get the best stuff or the better stuff, it feels like an abundance instead of you know, just filling you to the top of your cup. Mm. Um, so, reflect. Reflection is the first one. Second is actual, you know, steps that you need to do to change. And then thirdly would be just gratitude.
0: Yeah, gratitude is a beautiful one. I actually um, was talking to a friend of mine uh, at the beginning of this year and she's also on the podcast and um, she was calling it Surviving 2020 and she literally um, emphasized gratitude from beginning to the end of our conversation. Mm. So um, I think it's also a, some people don't have the mental strength, Um, obviously depending on uh, many factors. Um, I know that even with myself and my family and my friends, we're very different in how we deal with stresses and so that becomes quite difficult. For some people, it's easier to, you know to reflect and do and be gr- and be grateful for others it seems like the biggest you know hurdle um but for anyone listening i hope that you also find or feel that it's okay whatever you manage to do on that particular day but to not feel like you need to compromise yourself um, and even if that means that they don't read the news because COVID is affecting you too much as well, just the influx of the negative news as well. Um, so, Doc, I'd like to uh, wrap it up at this point. Um, I can also hear my daughter now as well in the background. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for just giving us also just some reassurance. Definitely gave me some. Um, And giving us access to resources that people can, can tap into should they want information, should they need help. You're doing absolutely great work. And I love that you're using your passion to you're allowing it to reach other people um, because it's very easy to just do your own thing and, and just sort of stay in your lane so you're doing beautifully using your platform for the greater good and it was an absolute pleasure having you on
1: Thank you so so much and I hope that everybody listening to this remembers to be patient with themselves um, you're going through a lot already. Like I said, we're already in an abnormal situation. Mm-hmm. So if you don't feel like it today, it's fine. You'll do it tomorrow. And you will be better tomorrow. But right now, you're not okay. Mm-hmm. Be patient with yourself. Take it moment by moment. And you will find that at the end, we will be better.
0: We will. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Doctor. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>